You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is episode, I'm not sure of the podcast, we'll see what order Chester decides to post these in, because I'm recording about four in a row right now, but we have our 15th ranked team, I ranked the 49ers, we're about to talk about 14th, Chester was a tiny bit lower on them, had him at 17, end up in the middle at 15, we have a repeat, returning champion I guess they'd say on, Je- on Jeopardy, a repeat guest from last year, the great Oscar Aparicio from the Better Rivals 49ers podcast. Oscar, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. How are you? Great. I rem- last year, you know, I-, I say this a couple times a year, like we do 32 of these rapid fire. And listen, we just the podcast just has to happen. Like it doesn't have to be good. We just need to do 32 of them. So it's yeah. easy to forget from year to year. Like you remember if someone's incredible and you remember if someone is like awful. And then you, but I don't really like for 31 and 32, I don't really remember like which one are good, but I happen to remember last year that a lot of people, like we did a poll in our Facebook group, like uh, what was the best one? And I think you did very well in that poll. So this was one of our better guests from last year. I was also checking out your your uh, Twitter account, uh, not to brag, you're verified. Uh, and uh, it's, you're, it's a really solid follow. I know we have a bunch of Niners fans in particular who listen, uh, and uh, Oscar's a really good 49ers follow, so... I definitely recommend it. He's, you're at Better Rivals on Twitter. You got it. I appreciate yeah, it, man. Some appreciate good takes. Kind words. Here's the thing. Uh, let's let's be honest for a second before we get to the Niners. Like, it's hard to follow uh, essentially a beat writer, like someone who tweets 10, 12 times a day about a team you don't root for, unless like your job is following the NFL. Because if you do yeah. that times 32, that's your whole feed. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, so, I find the same thing to be true. So I almost, like have to, like, I almost have to like, I almost have to like tab somebody like you. And 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 check them out because I'm I'm a big fan of like only following 200 people or less on Twitter because otherwise I feel like if you follow you follow 576 people I feel like a little bit doesn't become your full time job just like checking Twitter when you follow that many people. I, I do check Twitter a lot. Uh, yeah, my, listen, my wife I live on Twitter too. Become I'm my not full, my full time job. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, it, it, listen, I'm not on it less than anybody, but I do think it's like I'm I'm a big proponent of like more than 250. Yeah, it's like it's almost a chore. Even though, well, let's be honest, we mute a lot of the people we follow. We well, there's follow there's like two things, minutes. right? One is I I look at people like Doug Farrar, and Doug Farrar follows probably like a thousand people, mm-hmm. and he he is he finds the, some of the most deepest darkest parts of Twitter because I imagine that his eyeballs are glued to his Twitter feed at all times. I True, think he but Oscar, 
I'm sure time. you've you've spun some gold and he's missed it because he follows a thousand people. It's it's entirely possible. But here's the other secret. The other secret is that I I know that myself and other folks that that follow a a lot of people use lists very heavily. Yeah. And so I have a must see list. And when I'm tight on time and I just want to see the things that I know are important, there's uh-huh. probably a list of maybe 125 people that are on that must follow list. Mm-hmm. And and I just check that. Tears. He's got Twitter and tears. Yeah, Twitter tears, man. They're not the kind that you cry when you go de- undefeated you in the preseason and, and then go completely defeated in the regular season, a la the Cleveland Browns. Right. But they are tears nonetheless. Yeah, I, before we even get into the Niners, I wanted to ask you a question because I was checking out uh, your, your podcast and you were you went pretty heavy on the, your NFC West opponents the last couple of weeks. I don't think you've done the Cardinals, but you had podcasts dedicated to the Seahawks and Rams, right? Yep, yeah, we, um, the Cardinals one happens this week. Yeah, I, 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 it would be funnier if you just skipped it and like just trash talking. Like, you guys kind of suck. <laughs> you know, what's funny is it's it's the hardest to get a Cardinals person on the show because whenever we've done yeah. the division, you're, you previews, you are preaching to the proverbial choir. The Cardinals one is always the the toughest one to get and usually yeah. kind of the dullest. Yeah. So it's really difficult. oh boy, you have no idea. I'm not going to throw anybody <laughs> under the bus, but you could you could check our archives. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Woo. Yeah, the listeners know what, what we're talking about. Um. Yeah, you know what? The Cardinals, I mean, listen, it bears out like in their attendance. They have the fewest fans outside of maybe the Jaguars. They have the fewest fans because they're not like the Saints. New Orleans is a very small city at this point, but like they're kind of a national team. Uh, You know, Green Bay is not really a city at all. But again, they're a national team. Like you look at the really small places. The Titans are a new-ish team without a major fan base. The the Jaguars, the Bucks, and the Cardinals. Like they don't have... They don't. They just don't have a lot of fans. Also, uh, I'd say the LA teams at this point like don't really have any fans. Like the the Chargers, ha- do the Chargers have fans? I doubt it. Like I, I I imagine the Chargers have like the least followers of any of any NFL team on Twitter. I imagine the Cardinals. That, I imagine I that the Chargers. It ends up being real confusing when someone shows up to a soccer stadium to watch a football game, and then mm-hmm. Philip Rivers starts throwing balls, and they're just like, "I don't understand what's happening. I came here with my Vuvuzela and my Mexican flag, and these guys aren't even kicking the ball." I'm leaving. That's how I imagine like 20% of all of the, the Chargers games go. Yeah, I think the Cardinals have the fewest uh, Twitter followers of the 32 teams. Fun fact, in all of professional sports, it's the Miami Marlins, who I hate. Um, okay, so Chester and I, my co-host, who's, who's uh, very absent today, we ranked the divisions a few episodes ago. And I had the NFC West as the best division in football, and he was yelling at me. So am I crazy? Is he crazy? What do you think about that? I don't think that you're crazy. I, I do. It, it kind of depends on on the criteria. Most fun to watch or best team. No, 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 no. Bottom. Come on, come on. We're we're serious guys here. Fun to watch. Uh, hey man, uh, you I never mean... know. <laughs> I do think no, the it's, NFC it's basically West... potential. How many teams could make the playoffs? How many teams could win the division? How many teams could uh, be in the Super Bowl? You know, what would they do against the hypothetical? You know, like are, are they going to de- demolish whatever division they play? I think for, for you guys, it's the AFC North this year. Yeah, it's it's some it's something. I th- I think it is the North because we do play uh uh the Browns. No, I don't know that we play the Browns or the Steelers this year. I don't know their schedule. I don't have it memorized. I just go week to week, man. I just okay, go where the schedule guy lives takes one me. one week at a time. So one week at a time. I, it's funny because I'm a little down on the Seahawks, um, but I still like I'm higher than most people on the Cardinals, and a lot of people are expecting the Rams to fall back to earth, and I'm not because like I you know, I I am such a McVeigh guy. And I really like your team, so I, it, it, that adds up to being one of the best divisions, if not the best one. 
Yeah, I do think that because of the play of the quarterbacks, you will see the NFC West be a, a really, really tough division. I don't think at this point you can take a division in the AFC because the AFC just plays inferior football outside of like two or three teams to the NFC. And uh, so when you, you look at the NFC that, conferences. Yeah, you can make a case that the four uh, Chester did this. I didn't. But Chester had the four worst divisions as the four AFC divisions. Yeah. And, and you know what? He's not. I don't think that he's wrong. I think that there's a case to be made there. And when you think of the divisions within the NFC, I think when you look at a, a team distribution, like you could see the NFC West being the black and blue division all over again, which is what it was in, you know, in the Harbaugh Carroll years at the height of, of the Seahawks Niners rivalry, where it was just going to be a bloodbath every time you, you face someone in division. You could see that being the case again this year. And I think the NFC South and the NFC North both have cases there in terms of being really top to bottom, kind of the highs may be higher, but the lows might be lower. Um, but I don't think that that the NFC West as being the best division is is too off base. Um, all right, let's let's talk about the the 49ers in particular. I think if you asked the like the average football fan on the street and said, all right, Jimmy Garoppolo ended the year undefeated. What were his touchdown to INT ratio? Everyone would say 12 to 2, 13 to 1 you know, 100 to zero. But in reality, we know that it was seven touchdowns, five interceptions, uh, albeit with a very good completion percentage. So we had these five games that were ultimately meaningless. People are basically anointing Jimmy Garoppolo to the Hall of Fame. He signs a contract that was, I think, the largest. Was it the largest the day he signed it? Uh, contract in the history yes. of the league? For like for two weeks, he was the highest paid yes. quarterback in NFL history. Yeah, for two weeks, he he, he earns the title. They could have basically given him uh, the the super like franchise tag every year for three years and saved money, but I guess, in my opinion, they probably had some deal with the agent. Let's let's actually backtrack to to last year for a second. I still think that that this whole thing stinks. I'm thrilled that the Patriots, because I'm a Jets fan, traded Garoppolo for a bag of balls. But there, something had to happen there, right? Like, the agent who represents both Brady and Garoppolo, I'm assuming has Brady's interest because he's been with him for 20 years and, like, he built his house and everything. Uh, and, and sort of, like, just says, all right, you know, you basically need to commit to Brady to, to you know, keep him and you need to ship Garoppolo out of town. Belichick ships Garoppolo to, to Kyle Shanahan because Mike Shanahan, like, I don't know, opened the door for him once in a restaurant or something. <laughs> and then... And 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 now you guys like magically have this superstar quarterback for one second round pick. My team just paid three second round picks to move up three spots to get a guy. Uh, and I, I mean, I don't know. Like, do you think do you think there was like something nefarious going on? Like, it's how do you get how do you get Jimmy Garoppolo for a second round pick? You get him because it's it's a relationship business. Football is still a relationship business, and I think we we know a couple of things. One, we don't know for a fact that the Wickersham story about the Patriots turmoil is like one hundred percent true. But I it's think crazy, it's right? Like that's I all we know about it, and that story could be totally bogus. It's really not. It, it could be, but I, I do think maybe if not every part of that story is accurate, I do think there's probably a little fire to that smoke. Mm -hmm. But I do also know that that Bill Belichick is a big fan of Garoppolo. It's why he didn't trade him for so long, and I do think he wants to see. Garoppolo succeed. We also know that the Cleveland Browns offered more in a trade to yeah. New England for Garoppolo, and he ended up still sending him off to San Francisco. Why did he do that? I think he did that because he wanted Garoppolo to succeed, and he knew that he had a better chance at succeeding with a coach like Kyle Shanahan in a system like San Francisco's, which is one of the two to three most innovative and best offenses in the NFL currently. I think mm -hmm. it's it's not a crazy case to say that the McVay, Peterson, Shanahan triumvirate of offenses are the three best 
most well-constructed offenses in the NFL. Yeah. And, and so I think when you're looking at Belichick, I mean, Belichick still texts Jimmy Garoppolo after every win. That's, that's, that's I think, how much Belichick wanted Garoppolo to be I'm his guy. that to the league right now. Hold on. Yeah, and, and so I, I think overall, it's one of those things where Bill Belichick was like, look, you know, an extra second-round pick at the end of the day, like, it's not going to matter to me in the grand scheme of things because he's playing long ball. He can probably move around on the draft or move around in the draft and pick up that extra second with that second-round pick anyway. So, like, I'm going to do this guy a solid. I'm going to make sure that he's taken care of. And I'm going to send him to a place where he succeeds and, and go forth my child into the NFL wild, and, and I think that's why. Listen, you just got potentially like the greatest gift ever handed in your lap. I we ranked Absolutely. QBs. I had Garoppolo fifteenth, Chester Adam twentieth. It's it's a pretty silly exercise to rank him against guys who've played four or five seasons in the league at this point. From what you've seen last season and now, like, do you think Garoppolo is is like already about to become like a not not a top tier, not a Brady Rogers breeze tier, but like a second tier quarterback, like with Wilson? With like Roethlisberger on his best day, uh, with I don't know. So there's a couple. Know, there's Matt a couple. Ryan, Watson. There's a couple uh, like presumptions in your in, in your premises there that I I would like to deconstruct because one, okay. I think that when you when you talk about Wilson as a second tier player, I already think your tiers are screwed up because Russell Wilson is is an elite quarterback and and I do think that the elite cluster. Well, I, when I is, say second tier, I'm I like I, I'm literally putting him fourth in the league just behind like three immortal players. So I'm not sure. insulting Russell. Let, you you've seen this. You're very on NFL Twitter like there there are like lunatics. Most of them work for Sports Illustrated who will rank Russell Wilson yeah, it's 14th. Weird. I'm not weird. doing that. I, no, it's not weird. Um that listen, I'm I, I, I'm not a Russell Wilson hater. I'm a big Russell Wilson guy. I, I, when I say tier one, I'm just saying Brady, Rogers, Breeze, three guys who yeah, are like, essentially like first players. Hall of Famers that have been yeah, there. Yeah, so I'm, it's, we're not knocking Wilson. Point, I think he's the first Breeze, Breeze, Brady, Rogers, right? Like those, those yes. are the, those are your guys, right? Sure. I, I do think that there's actually been a lot of really good work done by the analytics team at Pro Football Focus talking about quarterback clustering. And mm-hmm. quarterback clustering is really cool because basically it says let's let's figure out the clumps of quarterbacks that stick together and then rate or rank where those clusters are. Mm-hmm. So it uses a lot of really, really good inputs to get to some pretty unique and instructive quarterback clusters. And, and they've broken it down. And in that first cluster, and this is, of course, just for 2017. So this is not like overall, this is what they're going to do forever. This is just 2017. Cluster one, three players in the top tier. Obviously, Tom Brady is one of them. Who do you think the other two are? Well, it's not Rodgers didn't play. You're saying correct. I'm going to say Russell Wilson. That is also Pro, correct. There's yeah, one more. Pro Football Focus likes him. Um, da, 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 there aren't a lot of options. I don't think they loved Matt Ryan last year. He is the third one. He uh, is indeed okay. the third one. Okay. So, so what they do and the way they cluster it is they look at their their performance over a season and they look at their percentage of positively graded throws, negatively graded throws, that what they call NFL throws, which are the throws that are the most difficult to make um, and usually have the longest distance from quarterback to catch. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not they throw interceptable passes, because this is one thing I think that stats like quarterback rating often get wrong. Of course, and, yeah. and every team has seen it where their quarterback throws a great ball. It slips right through Des Bryant's hands and gets intercepted. Mm. And yeah, that's literally every football fan has seen that exact scenario 20 times. By the way, you're speaking to someone who has a co-host who has something called CQBR. He has his own Chester quarterback rating because he doesn't trust any sort of QBR or quarterback rating. That's great. I think that's awesome, right? And so when you think of what they've done in terms of, of tiers or, or clusters, right, they say, okay, that's the top tier. These uh-huh. are the quarterbacks that at least in 2017 performed the best uh, across the things that a quarterback needs to do well. 
And then cluster two and cluster three are kind of even. It's just a different flavor of quarterback. Cluster two is going to be your second tier where they don't make as many wow plays and they don't throw the ball as long, but they also don't take very many risks. This is like Alex Smith is the poster boy. Well, pre-2017 Alex Smith, right? Before mm-hmm. he discovered that he could throw the ball more than 15 yards. This yeah. was this was the perfect like Alex Smith thing where he's not a bad quarterback. He's below that kind of elite first tier, but it just doesn't do a lot of wild things, but is not going to lose you the game. These are your Ben Roethlisberger's. Believe it or not, Drew Brees was actually in this area last year, but that's just because he had Alvin Kamara and a great running game last year that, that he hadn't had before. Cluster three is the poster boy for this is going to be Jameis Winston. And Jameis Winston is like, wow plays. Like, oh my God, I can't believe he made that throw. That's ridiculous. And then, oh my God, he threw it straight to a linebacker. What the hell is going on? That That is cluster three, right? Both those clusters are about even. Um, well, Jameis Winston is going to be out of the NFL in two years. Yeah, you know that. I don't think that it, it's that bad because he's good enough that I think teams will continue to, to take flyers on him. Ooh, but, he would be a bad guy to have as a backup, though. He would be yeah, a rough fair. guy in the, uh, in the old clubhouse. <laughs> and then you get other clusters that, you know, whatever. They're just players that aren't very, very good. If the, the crappy thing for Jimmy Garoppolo, and this is the number one issue, is that his sample size last year, even in the five games in which he played in, didn't qualify him for a lot of the clustering that PFF modeled with all these quarterbacks. But mm-hmm. if he would have had enough snaps to qualify, guess what cluster he would have been in? By I hope one after this. Absolutely. He would have been yeah. in, in cluster one. So he would have been one of the top three or top four quarterbacks in the NFL when you look at what he does in terms of skill at dominating the intermediate area of the field, which is the throw that he excels at. That mm-hmm. crosser over the middle of the field, about 10 to 17 yards, is where he makes his money. If you watch the preseason game last week, he's now getting a better deep ball because that was where he sucked last year. Um, but this year, he's been working on that deep ball. He's got a full year in the system, and he put it on display with a big long throw to Marquise Goodwin, which, by the way, if you're listening to this and you're looking for a wide receiver that's going to get you some value in the middle rounds of fantasy, draft Marquise Goodwin. Trust me, you'll be happy later. Yeah, we, um, have, a, we have a crazy um, fantasy league, which is League of Leagues, three sports, baseball, fast, baseball basketball, football. Yep. And, and Chester, who's, again, not here. Chester would have been nice if you were here because your name's come up a lot of times. Uh, has Marquise Goodwin and and like uh, is treating him as if he as if he was like Adam Thielen. Like Chester is so high on Goodwin, seventeen yards per catch last season, which is absurd. Goodwin Goodwin's a weird guy because he is, um, he was a long jumper. Um, right? He, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, because I'm uh, I'm an Olympics nerd. Uh, Goodwin was such a good long jumper that the year of the of the Rio Olympics, he was the best long jumper in the world. He just didn't make the Olympic team because uh, he had a bad day, and you just—it's one day, and you qualify. But he ha- even he beat the, I believe, the Olympic gold medalist. Uh, that's like that's sort of the kind of speed and and uh, an athlete Goodwin is essentially like one of the best athletes on the planet, probably the best athlete in the NFL, just in, just in terms of raw speed, maybe the fastest guy in the league. Yeah, his speed is is on another level. And so I think when you think of how good, if the question is how good is Jimmy Garoppolo really, I think we still have to see more because sample size, of course, is an issue. But based on where he's trending right now, he's trending at being a top five quarterback and in that elite cluster. And, and I think that's exactly what you want out of your quarterback. Now, whether or not he ends up being there and being able to sustain that over the course of the year, you know, I don't know. There's, It's not like he's a, a perfect prospect by any stretch. His deficiencies with the deep ball being, of course, the biggest knock outside of sample size. But I think that he was that good over the end of the year. And and now, and now and he was that good, mind you, not even knowing what the hell play he was calling in the huddle. 
Right. There are times where he was just saying words and he was like, I actually don't understand half this play call, but I do understand this half and I see what I'm getting to that side of the field. So I'm going to go ahead and just run the concept to this side of the field. Um, and, and it's, it's just phenomenal. It, it's really, he, he does the things that you want your quarterback to do. Well, he gets rid of the ball on time and quickly. He processes information effectively. He's got great pocket feel and he's mobile enough to, to get out of trouble when he needs to. So I think the, the future is positive for him. And even if he doesn't progress anywhere from where he is right now, he's still, I think a good enough quarterback to win a Super Bowl with. Okay. Love it. Now, I, I, let me drop a little. Uh, the, what I think is I'll take, but um, maybe maybe you'll agree. I'm not sure if we're just talking about running backs, receivers, and tight ends. I'm not sure there's a team in the league that would happily switch with you guys. That would happily do a complete skill position trade. I mean, there's just listen. Goodwin's fast, but we've you know we've seen him kind of like a fade. Away. Listen, if if Jimmy Garoppolo is is going to be a top five quarterback, Goodwin's going to have a big year just because he's he's going to be the most targeted guy like he was last year. Um, uh, McKinnon, to me, the signing, the signing was, I mean, obviously it was too much money, but he's already hurt. I don't know if if Matt Breda excites you. You know, Selleck and Kittle are, are, are probably average tight ends. And I, Pierre Garçon's 1,000 years old. Is there Are people getting excited about Dante Pettis? I think people are a little excited about Dante Pettis, but I, I think that all of the... I think that you may be... I think you may be right in that there's not a lot of people outside of San Francisco that are quote unquote excited about the skill positions. Mm -hmm. But I would say that all of those people don't know how to scout skill positions and don't understand what Kyle Shanahan's doing with his offense. Mm -hmm. I think that the the wide receiver position for San Francisco is probably one of the more underrated wide receiving cores in the entire NFL. Mm -hmm. You talk about Marquise Goodwin, and we saw what he did over the last eight weeks of the season after Pierre Garçon went out with an injury. Now, mind you that in the first eight weeks, in the first eight weeks, when we had people like C.J. Beathard, don't call me beat hard, as the quarterback mm. who, you know, who replaced Brian Hoyer, who is a career backup at this point, all of those quarterbacks combined still had Pierre Garçon on pace for a thousand yard season. And when you look at Marquise Goodwin over the last eight weeks of the season, he was a top five rate, graded PFF receiver over mm -hmm. that time. So he is good enough to be a really, really good number one. He's not just a speed guy, and he was able to prove that last year. He, the only reason he didn't get over 1,000 yards was because he got concussed in that Week 17 game against the Rams. But he was something like 30 or 60 yards away from having a 1,000-yard season, which, of course, his previous high was, was just over 400 yards in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. So I think Marquis Goodwin, you know, you just talked about how athletic he is, how fast he is. One of Kyle Shanahan's favorite shot plays that he calls when he's, you know, about the 40, 35 yard line is Yankee, where you've got a deep post and then a crosser underneath. Uh, and Marquis Goodwin just ate on this concept year after year after year. And he's going to continue to do that, but he's also going to be able to attack the intermediate area um, with kind of some hitch concepts that, that Shanahan likes to call as compliments. You've got Pierre Garçon, who's effectively your I've got vice for hands, dude. He's your possession guy. Uh, only he's 32. Gonna... I guessed 70. So I was off. by. Yeah, one. sure. It's, uh, you know, it, he's going to be like Anquan Bolden, where the thing that makes him good is not his speed. It's right. his power. You can aid, the, the receivers the aren't aging well, like most positions in the NFL. But yep. if you're not incredibly speed reliant, 
If you're exactly. Like that's exactly Jericho Kotri, right. like you came in slow anyway, yeah. then what's the matter? You know, you just you That's exactly right. And so I think that he still has a role. And then you look at Trent Taylor, who is uh, drafted in the fifth round. He's incredibly shifty. He had a perfect quarterback rating when you threw to him on, on the slant uh, over the course of the year. The dude is just an underneath catching machine. And Garoppolo, because he's used to the Wes Walkers of the world, um, he knows how to utilize someone like him. Trent Taylor, someone who got a touchdown in the preseason game against Houston last week. He also provides some some solid kind of stuff there. And, and what you see that Shanahan's doing is he's not obsessed with this, I need a quote-unquote number one receiver. What he values are receivers that can separate in a couple different ways. Trent Taylor separates with shiftiness underneath. You've got Marquise Goodwin who separates with speed. You've got Pierre Garçon who separates with power at the top of the route. And he says, between all of these three things, I can then pick where I want to go and who I want to attack based on what I want to do and how I call the shot. And that is why the skill positions are not really anything to worry about. And in fact, I think are going to be very, very good for the 49ers because they didn't go out and chase this big number one receiver that's really, really difficult to draft, right? Julio Jones does not come along often. And, right. and so instead of trying to chase after the, the white elephant, he said, you know what? Let's go ahead and just find players that can separate, find players that can catch, and I can do the rest. And, and I think that that receiving unit is going to be just fine. And when you get to running backs, I think Jarek McKinnon and Matt Breida both have the, the distinction of going to Georgia Southern, both also have the mm -hmm. distinction of being the best athletes in their respective draft classes. If you look at Spark, the kind of overall athleticism score for mm -hmm. how athletic a player is in the NFL – Mm -hmm. both of them are in the 99th percentile in athleticism and it shows it shows in their speed it shows in their power matt this is why matt Breida, as an undrafted guy at a georgia southern was able to perform really really well he ranked better than carlos hyde in dvoa and dr which are football outsiders metrics for measuring running back efficiency and overall quality and, and so you're like okay cool undrafted guy he's fine he's great and then you've got uh jarek mckinnon who is he does what a modern running back needs to be able to do well, and that is pass block and receive the ball. This is where running backs are going to give you value in today's NFL. It's going to be in the passing game because the pass is the most valuable play in football right now. This is why the only reason why Todd Gurley is worth the contract he got is because of what he can do in the passing game. And this is why pure runners that are really, really good at running the ball but either can't pass block or you know need to be taken off the field on third down just aren't nearly as good as your true receiving back. Uh, and so I think that the skill position is going to be just fine. And, and I think it's going to be an asset for the team. And I think people are just sleeping on them because they have this idea of what the skill position should be. Mm -hmm. And those ideas are just frankly outdated. All right. Uh, one more thing before we go to the defense. You've been extremely optimistic, Oscar. So I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to need you to be a little bit of a hater here. You have to say something <laughs> bad. You have to say something bad about the juice chick signing. He, oh, they gave him me, too much money. Signing. They gave him way too much money. Absolutely. You are 100% correct. They paid like 300% of premium on Kyle Juszczyk. And I do think that, again, his skill set, because of what he can do in the passing game, is really, really good. But, man, you, you can't tell me that you can't find another fullback. At you like, could have found him. Could have found it. Like no one. They weren't bidding against anybody. Well, supposedly the Jets, your team here, was going to offer him more money. I and would he, believe he it. Oh, I, more I, that I believe because the Jets – the, by the way, this is a weird thing that I don't think people have reported. The Jets had a guy, Lawrence Thomas, who was a UDFA out of USC, who had a really good rookie season as a defensive, like as a as a fourth or fifth defensive lineman. And this was when they had Wilkerson, Richardson, and and Williams, and like even making the team was impossible. It was it was an absolutely loaded defensive line. Looked great. 
Second year gets hurt. Then they're like, you know what we could do with this valuable defensive end? Turn him into a fullback. And he's their starting fullback now. He's almost 300 pounds, and he's their starting fullback. So I believe it because the Jets value fullbacks a weird amount, partially because they historically, for the last 20 years, have probably run more than any team in the NFL. Um, but that I do believe that the Jets were willing, especially with the you know the Jets and the Niners both had a trillion dollars in cap space and and didn't and not enough exciting ideas for what to do with it in some cases. Uh, but I believe that the Jets were willing to like make him you know the highest paid fullback of all time. Now I, I forget exactly who, but there's actually someone on the Jets that was either on Shanahan's staff somewhere else or or they, he has a Shanahan connection, so they often go after the same type of offensive players, which is why they go. They also were in the uh, the McKinnon sweepstakes as well. Yes. So the so they're going after similar types of profile players, and I, I think that oftentimes the, the the one thing that I am concerned about when it comes to Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch is that when they find a guy that they like that they think is going to fit their team mm-hmm. they open up their pocketbook or they trade up in the draft to draft the player as mm-hmm. opposed to saying hey this person has a, a very particular set of skills to take liam neeson's line and yeah. there are other players with that skill and they might be you know 90 percent of this player 80 percent of this player but they're like half the cost so in terms of value i can get nearly the same amount for for not nearly as much they did it with Dante Pettis, which is why they traded up. I think to to get Dante Pettis, they did. Pettis it was Kyle really Juszczyk. great. I mean, I don't know how he's looked at. I haven't heard much uh, coming out of him in in the preseason and, and training camp. But he was an exciting player in college, right? He's probably going to be your punt returner. I'm assuming, right? Because he was a great punt returner yep, in college. Absolutely. And he's just an exciting player. Like sometimes these guys are awesome in college, and it's like they're just he's just a good football player. I I'm sh- I, if yeah, I wouldn't be surprised is. if like his metrics weren't great, which is why he didn't get uh, picked that high in the draft. But like he might just be a good player. Yeah, he is. He's another guy who separates with uh, with speed, especially off the line. Um, There's so many clips of him in college in the red zone, just completely destroying defensive backs on the line and, and running a fade run into the end zone. He caught multiple touchdowns that way in college, and and so I think that 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 is something the team does is they 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 latch onto a player and they say, no, I have to get this guy. They paid a Malcolm Smith twenty three million dollars. And, and he may never play a snap for the Niners because he's been injured. And, and now you've got Fred Warner, who we drafted, and you've got other players who are playing just as good and aren't costing the team $23 million. So the team has made some kind of bonehead contract decisions. Yeah. And, and I just, luckily, it's not anything because they had been so terrible previously. They had enough cap space to yeah. allow those mistakes to happen. But once they get closer to the top of that cap and they get players that they have to re-sign and pay a lot of money to that that decision-making process could rear its ugly head and, and cause some problems for them later on. Yeah, uh, so before we even talk about the defense, actually, your impressions of John Lynch after a year and change. Um, I, I Like, I, to me, I thought it was an insane hire when it happened because, frankly, he was a very subpar announcer, in my opinion. I don't know if those skills translate. We'll find out because the most subpar announcer is a coach now. We're going to find out maybe if that, you know, if that doesn't matter. Uh, but, like, there was nothing that he ever did. I mean, he was a great player, but there was nothing he ever said that was like, oh, man, this guy, give this guy his own team. And it's, you know, and also because he's a big name and, and you know, Hall of Fame talent, like, he skipped the line. Like, it's not like he was a, you know, capologist who got who got to become a GM. He went straight to the head of the line. So, to me, I thought, oh, this is going to be, like, just a historic disgrace. And at this point, I don't know if he could screw it up because he's got a really good young quarterback. But, like, are you 100% in on John Lynch? Are you sure he knows what he's doing? I don't know that I'm sure that he knows what he's doing. I mean, we just talked about all the contracts that that yeah. he's doled out. And the structure of those contracts is great because we do have a great capologist in uh, Prague Marate. We actually call him the our own Marathlete. 
because he structures contracts so incredibly that's, well. He's going to be a GM soon, I think people say, right? Also, I think so. I think so as well. Uh, uh, and he'll be more of like the, the numbers kind of guy. But I think there are different flavors of GMs. And the type of GM that John Lynch became, I think, is a GM who was, um, I think, uh, humble enough to say, look, I don't, I don't know exactly what to do here. So I'm going to find people that I trust who do this very well and rely on them as I grow into being a GM myself. And this is him getting Adam Peters. This is him getting former GM Martin Mayhew. And he uses them and their brains and their knowledge to say, hey, help me out here. And then he also very much works closely with Kyle Shanahan. Like Kyle Shanahan does ultimately have the roster decision making. Yeah. This is this is why we ended up with Joe Williams in the fourth round. Someone I wanted to, you know, I wanted sorry, to I wanted to talk about Joe Williams because one of the most interesting things. I do you, do you agree? I was I was doing a deep dive on the Niners today. It seems like, and and this extends, you know, well before the the Lynch regime, that you guys love to go like boomer bust on some of these picks more than any other team in the league. Like we're gonna pick a guy. I mean, I guess even going back to, like, Lattimore, maybe, like, we're going to, you know, uh, the Solomon Thomas count as Ruben Fall, like, guys who were, guys who maybe had some sort of warts, they fell in the draft, or, like, an injury issue, I mean, is this just me, and it's just a couple examples, like, it seems like you guys really trying, like, we're okay trying to strike out, but if this guy's good, he's going to be really great, we're going home runner strikeout, uh, Joe Williams is a good example of that, right, because he's never played before, because he missed the whole year with, for injury last year, He's this is his age twenty five season, which I mean, Demarco Murray retired at twenty seven. Uh, so you know the clock is it might not be ticking. The clock might be over for a running back at twenty five. Um, retired in college, right? One day, just like decided to quit football. Came back he a few did. weeks he quit later for quit for a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, quit for a few weeks. The, like re- literally retired from the sport. Came back, ran for three hundred fifty yards because I think they were just out of players. It was the University of Utah? They were out of players. Like just an insane story. Gets drafted in the fourth round, which is like about as high as like a lot of smart teams are picking running backs. Usually, I know the Patriots pick one yep. in the first round, but you you get the point. Uh, and and like this guy is maybe the biggest boomer bust guy ever. Like, there's a chance he never steps on an NFL field. There's a chance he like leads the league in rushing. Well, I think you've got to separate regimes, right? Because you, you mentioned Lattimore, and and that was Trent Baalke, the previous GM, yeah. and that's a whole different failure in decision-making process. So let's let's talk about like John Lynch really quickly. And, and I think that you're right. I, I think Joe Williams fits more into the, we think this guy fits our system beautifully, so mm-hmm. we're going to overpay to bring them into the team. It's the same thing that happened with Yuzchek and Malcolm Smith that we just talked about. So I think Joe Williams is is more in that mold. And, and Joe Williams, you're right, there was some risk there. I mean, the reason he quit football, though, though, was because his sister committed suicide and he had to deal with, like, the mental health effects of that um, that he had never really dealt with for 10 years or 13 mm-hmm. years or something. And then, you know, all that kind of cascades on him. And, and like, it's it's a legit reason, right? I get oh, no, it. sure. But uh, the story is still just absolutely crazy. Yeah, it is. It, it's a bonkers story. And and he, unfortunately, is one of the players where if you're going to overpay check, at least check is, you know, one of the – he is kind of filling the role the Niners felt – Joe Williams is not going to make the team. I don't think he's going to make wow. the team. He's going to get so by the way. By so that's a real case. listen. That's like right because he's probably not a special team guy because I'm sure he was the best player on the field no, he's for his not. whole life. And Raheem Mostert is one of the three best special team players in the league. Like his his special teams grade is really really good, and mm-hmm. he doesn't offer anything less as a running back than Joe Williams is at this point. the 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 scouting report on Joe Williams coming out of college was he doesn't get any more yards than the line blocks for him. And mm. the Niners run blocking is not great. It wasn't great last year. I don't know that it's going to be a ton better this year. And, and so you, what do you see? You see a, a running back who is completely ineffective because he has to run behind an elite offensive line. When you look at his, his boom runs in college, it was a wide open Mack truck sized hole. 
And then he was able to use his straight line speed to go 80 yards. Well, those holes are not Mack truck size in the NFL anymore. And now you've got to have really good vision and you've got to put your foot in the ground and, and execute zone runs with a high degree of proficiency. And he's just not doing that. And, and I don't think the team has at this point the roster space to carry that extra weight. This is a 25 year old running back rookie. I mean, the, you know, but it just it's it's an interesting it's an interesting story. I do wonder if he. Uh, hey, man, if Brandon Whedon can have a job in the NFL at 52 years old. I think Joe Williams can play. Ra- Listen, uh, raise at, your you know, kids to be third string quarterbacks, not backup running backs, because backup running backs what I'm saying, uh, get or out of the league before you before their first rookie contract's over. And yeah, and I, these court. Listen, you could be you could be um, you know a backup quarterback. Just the key is to never step on the field, and you could be Chase Daniel, and and you know you're going to be forty and having never played a, a you know a full season and still be in the league. It's the fountain of youth, backup quarterbacks. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk about the defense. We could run through this. Um, you were so optimistic on the offense. Give me reasons to worry about the defense. Well, I mean, if you are going to worry, it's going to be because of our um, inability to have a solid group or a deep group of coverage defenders. Mm-hmm. When you think of the the thing that has to go well for the Niners to beat their Vegas win total, which is, I think, eight or eight and a half games, depending on where you go, for them to get nine games and push for a playoff spot this year, it's got to be because the back half of that defense actually performs very very well Mm -hmm. you've got Richard Sherman coming off of an injury and you know who knows even if he's 80 percent of old Richard Sherman that's still way better than any defender the Niners had last year Mm -hmm. you've got a Kella Withers of any past coverage defender because Reuben Foster was ridiculous last year you've got uh you've got a Kella Witherspoon on the other side and he is a very very promising young corner he is probably going to be the closest thing we've got to a shutdown corner and he's continuing to develop in year two I think he'll be fine You've got a seventh-round pick at safety that played well in limited roles last year in Adrian Colbert. Super fast dude. Again, another guy who's incredibly fast. Takes really, really good angles on ball carriers. But again, a little bit of an unproven commodity and a seventh-round pick. And then you've got Chikwaski Tart at, at strong safety. Behind that, though, you don't really have a ton of depth. You've got Tarvarius Moore, who's a converted safety to corner this year, who's a rookie. He's a third-round pick. You've got uh, some other kind of defensive backs that you, you even if I said their names, you probably wouldn't know them. And, and so it's like, okay, let's say Richard Sherman goes down. Let's say Akella Witherspoon goes down. Who's going to step in that role? Jimmy Ward, who is a you know, first-round pick, but he's so good that he's the backup to all the positions, which is kind of useless. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're that good, I mean, most start. teams don't have like a good fourth corner, to be fair, also, though. Yeah, you've got K1 Williams, who was very, very good last year, uh, but again, not let, like the great. He, he's not going to strike fear in the opponents. Pro, uh, pro football uh, focus like all of your your secondary players. Sometimes these things yeah, come in clumps it. where like they just grade well for some reason, but like they, oh, every one of your players graded out as above above average, even the nickelback above eighty. Yeah. yeah, and 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 K1 started out kind of a little on the crappy side, and then he got better as the year went on. Um, I, I think you do have sample size issues to worry about, but you then also have th- this pass rush issue because pass rush and coverage grades kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, and DeForest Buckner is one of the most underrated players in the NFL. Yeah, I think he, he is might break an- out this year. I agree. Yeah, I think he is very, very underrated. He had he led the league uh, in terms of quarterback hits for interior defensive linemen last year, and and I'm not saying that he's better than Aaron Donald because Aaron Donald is on his own planet. Yeah, but but DeForest Buckner is an elite interior three technique player. The problem is we have no one else on the edge who can provide pressure. We signed Jeremiah Atauchu from San Diego, and he I just watched his game tape against the Texans. And he couldn't generate pressure against, you know, second and third string offensive linemen. There's yeah. a reason that they went out and got Joey Bosa. And 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 so 
he's not going to do all that well. Dakota Watson, Cassius Marsh, these are all cast-offs from other teams. And the Niners are like, yeah, these guys are going to generate pressure. The best pass-rushing edge guy that we had last season uh, was... Uh, oh God, he! I'm not even going to forget his name. I, had, I don't even have the brain space. What about Solomon um, Thomas? Have you mentioned him? So Solomon Thomas is going to be better this year, mm-hmm. but he's going to be someone who's going to need to kick inside yeah. on the defensive line. Elvis Dumerville, by the way, was a guy I couldn't remember okay, yeah. just a second ago. But uh, Solomon Thomas is going to need to kick inside on pass rushing downs, and that's where he'll be most effective. He's already a pretty good run defender on the edge, and especially if he plays uh, on the weak side, a defensive end position, which is where he will line up because Eric Armstead's going to be on the strong side. Mm-hmm. He's going to dismantle right tackles one-on-one. It's going to be really fun. And then on obvious passing downs, he'll kick inside. And that's where he will generate some really, really good pressure. But interior pressure is not as valuable as pressure from the edge. Pressure from the edge is where you get more strip sacks. It's where you get more drive-killing sacks. And that's not to say that that pressure in and of itself isn't good. But if you're going to get really, really valuable good pressure, you're going to get it from the edge. And the team doesn't have that right now. And so what does that mean? That means that then the coverage defenders have to be a little better than a coverage defender who has Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. And and so that's where those two things complement each other. And if the pass rush isn't there, then the coverage really needs to be there. And right now, the coverage is kind of a little like shoulder shruggy. It's like we hope it's good, but everything has to break well for it to be really good. And what do we know in the NFL? Not everything breaks your way. Yeah, Um. All right, I want to I want to go before we before we we talk about the Niners over under and where you think they and, and this year we play a, a, a just a wildly popular game that's sweeping the nation called the roster game. I don't remember if we played it with you last year. We don't do it every episode, but basically uh, we did play it last yeah. year. Oh, and so you, you asked listen- me about a player from Texas A and M. What was his name? Oh God, um, I forget his name already. I just remember that he was from A and M because the only reason I knew him was because uh, my wife is an Aggie. And so we, uh-huh. we kind of just pick out the Aggies on the Niners. Um, and, and so, yeah, so it's, it's one of those things where it's like that. I knew him at that time. Uh-huh. Again, I, I've slept anymore. since then. Okay. Yeah. All right. So pick a number between zero and 100, Oscar. Oh, man. Zero and 100. And you're not picking jersey um, numbers. We got a whole formula here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say 23. Uh, 23. All right. Who is Mike Person? Oh, Mike Person, backup guard, actually presumptive starter at right guard right now because he actually was drafted or was an undrafted free agent for the Niners originally when he started his career, bounced around the league team to team, um, and then came back around to the Niners this year because our right guard situation is unsettled. Josh Garnett, first-round pick, may not even make the team if he doesn't win the right guard spot, and the team signed Jonathan Cooper as well. And they signed Mike Person really to be the backup center, but he's pretty versatile in that he can play both right guard and center. He played right guard last year, uh, but now has been running with the ones at right guard this year. Um, and, And hopefully Josh Garnett wins that role, but if he doesn't, then I'm looking at Mike Person to be the starting right guard and the backup interior center uh, for the Niners this year. Your center also is uh, is the Giants' old center, right? Weston Rich- Richburg. Yep. I think he's a pretty Weston underrated Richburg. player. I think he's a solid guy. I agree. Um, so you know who? So the last healthy season Weston Richburg had uh, was I think 2016 because mm-hmm. he didn't play in 2017 because of some concussion stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so it was either 2015 or 2016. But the last healthy season that Weston Richburg had, he was the highest graded center for Pro Football fo- Pro Football Focus's mm-hmm. overall grade. And he is ridiculously athletic. He's able to get those reach blocks that Kyle Shanahan needs for the outside zone runs. I just tweeted out a clip uh, in the game last night where he's able to get that reach block and flip his hips and and seal the nose tackle off. And it just, I mean, offensive linemen shouldn't be that athletic. And he's able to do it. And he's able to track guys in space and, and knock them in the, in the face. He's, he's going to be a good center, I think. And he's going to help the, the line a lot. 
All right, awesome. Okay, so I think their number's eight and a half. Is that correct? Their their win total over under for this year? Yeah, their win total, depending on where you go, their Vegas win total is eight, eight and eight. a half. Yeah, I mean, eight um, makes more sense. Eight, eight and a half. Uh, you know, you seem to be pretty optimistic on them. That's a high, it's just a high number for a team that hasn't really done it yet. I they're obviously a very trendy team right now. I, you know, I think the 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 real analytically inclined people are are almost certain that the Rams are going to have. A come down, and if you don't like the Seahawks, like someone's got to get to ten, right? And I, I personally think the Rams are probably that someone, but I, I'm guessing you're yeah, going I over. Agree with you. I'm guessing you're going over for eight and a half. Man, I, I think for eight and a half, I, I actually might take the under. Um, I think they get to eight wins. I think a couple things are going to have to break their way to get to nine. Um, we actually did something very similar on our show, and and I think we used eight as the over under, mm-hmm. and, and I went over just because I thought you know like eight's. At eight and a half, you can get to eight and still be right. At eight, if you choose eight, you push and so you lose. And so I'm like, screw it. Stake in the ground. You have to go over or under. So I went over at nine. Um, I do think the Rams still win the division. I do think the Rams still get to, to 10 wins, even if they regress in a lot of major categories because they will. I think they're going to hit the plexiglass. And and so I think the Rams are still going to win. And, and I think the Niners are going to come second in the division. And Seattle, I think, is going to probably end up around eight wins. But I think you could see three teams in the NFC West that are eight or more wins, and the division's going to be that good all around. So I'm going to go ahead and say if, if the if the, the over-under you're giving me is eight and a half, I'm going to say under because I think they'll get to eight wins. But I think, uh, you know, just because there's a little bit of fan in me, I say, you know, screw it, the over. They'll get to nine. I look at their schedule. The league is definitely excited about the Niners being good again. You guys have five, five primetime five prime games in a very short span, and really from week six to 13. So you're going to get a lot of Jimmy G. Hopefully not a lot of CJ Beathard. I mean, you could, no, God, you guys it, could single-handedly ruin. I mean, that's like October and November. Because December, you don't, you know, a lot of teams are eliminated. It's tough It's tough to get great matchups. In September, everyone's 0-0 zero and zero, one and 1-1, one, and the matchup can only be so bad. You guys could single-handedly yeah. ruin the NFL this year if Jimmy Garoppolo gets injured. Now, I have, a, I have an idea. Oh, yeah. Because I'm a Jets fan, and fans are allowed to make trades. I don't know if you know about this. But if you guys want, we I'm willing to offer you guys Teddy Bridgewater for a second round pick as a backup. Uh, no, I think for a second round pick, I mean, at, at the rate at which we're able to acquire players, yeah, I am gonna get Julio Jones for a second That's round true. pick. That's true. That's a good point. You guys, if I can get a starting quarterback for a second round pick, why couldn't I get a starting wide receiver for a second true, round pick? But I, I mean, I, this I, is the market I, that Bill Belichick I, is setting. It would listen. It's hard to win without your quarterback. You know the 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 Packers. Last year, it didn't happen, and it's not like they went out and got the best backup on the market. They're like, listen, we're not winning without Aaron Rodgers anyway, so God bless Brett Hundley. Do whatever you want. I, I feel like you guys yeah. are doing the same thing. And not that there's ev- not that every team can have a, a competent backup. Brian Hoyer, at 80 years old, I wouldn't consider back. Although I'm not sure if he's even winning. Is he winning that job in, in New England? I don't even know if, like, Loletta or one of those guys is doing it. But um, God bless you if C.J. Beathard has to play. Oh yeah, absolutely. The books I think out Nick Mullins, not only is he bad, but everyone Nick knows. Mullins, I think, is a better quarterback than C.J. Beathard, and Nick Mullins isn't going to make the team. Podcaster? I think the only reason that that Beathard is on the team is because, again, the team loved him. They overdrafted him in the third round, and and I think they're going to try to to flip him for a pick here in a year or, or so. But yeah, dude, if 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 Jimmy Garoppolo goes down, it's like, well, all right, pack it up. Okay, let's let's I mean, audition some players. There's 20 teams in the league that could say that. Like, the, are the Lions okay if Matthew Stafford goes down? No. Like, you know. Yeah, exactly. Part, part of winning, and one of the, you know, the best, we're, this is an anti-Eli Manning podcast, but, like, you know, Eli has never missed a game. That's because you guys are sane individuals. Right. Yeah, no, but a lot of people, especially New Yorkers, are, are think Eli Manning is competent. And 
I, I uh, Eli Manning's cooked. I think Teddy Bridgewater is good enough to start for probably half the team. Well, the, 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 um, thing, he, the thing is, and it, it stinks because my team has never had a quarterback, and now it looks like we might, and now like there's 24 teams that kind of have a quarterback. But yeah, so so I, I get what you're saying, but like a lot of teams don't need Bridgewater, which is why he was so available. Whereas five years ago, in this scenario, Bridgewater would have gotten the Bradford deal of like one year 20 or like two years 30 or something insane. Um, I, 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 Brad Bridgewater looked fantastic last week. My host is a Vikings fan who like worshiped Teddy Bridgewater highest December, uh, passer rating in the history of the NFL. Um, I, 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 I think the jets can't like, they're not going to keep him on the roster, but I also think teams know that the jets aren't because Josh McCown's making a trillion dollars and you can't, you, you can't have like your entire cap go to, three quarterbacks it doesn't make sense especially with mr athleticism himself man josh mccown yeah he's, so, the, uh, he's harder to trade athletic. because his his there are very few teams like your team probably has enough cap space and maybe like the browns but like the teams that are interested uh can't afford to trade for him like that's why trades are so hard because guys who are good and make a lot of money are basically untradeable during a season right uh yep. so brad they structured bridgewater's contract to make him tradable uh, and there was talk that maybe they could just keep him on the roster and get a supplemental pick, but he would compensatory pick, but like he would need to get an obscene contract. And why would he get that unless he played? It doesn't make any sense. Like, who's why? Why would no one pay him last year? And I know, like, other than his health, his knee being healthy, like, then he wouldn't have played for yeah, three I think, years. I think what, what we know about quarterbacks is that everyone thinks they have their guy right now. And I think yeah. by week eight or 10, we're going to realize that. Every, there's going to be a certain contingent of people who thought they had their guy of who were flat out wrong. Sure. And first of all, we got five rookies, right? Lamar Jackson, he could stink. Sam Darnold could stink. Baker could stink. Uh, uh, Rosen doesn't right, could stink. And and uh, and Allen does stink. So, the, you know, like any of these any of these guys could be flops. And then then three or four guys are gonna, teams are going to lose their their quarterback. And then what happens? Then like and then Bridgewater is going to come in and he's going to take a team to a playoff push and and everyone's going to be like, oh my god. It's a resurgence. How did we not see this? And it's like, it's because you weren't looking. Because he's that good. Yeah, Bridgewater's and really good. And he's dimes. 25. Like, he could have such a long I know, and he's still. young. And he's got one of my favorite nicknames, too. Teddy Two Gloves. Yeah, I love he, that he's, nickname. He's like, he's a good guy. He, like, the players seem to love him. Uh, yeah, I think I, Bridgewater is, is, is interesting. It's inter- right. It's interesting that he basically fell to just a team that had extra money to hand him. Um, yeah. All right, I think we are good here. Oscar, you did a great job as always. Sometimes we talk to teams in the playoffs. I'm not sure if we would be talking to a Niners fan, but it's possible. Um, I, I, you know, the, the, I'm looking at the schedule. It That week one, if you could ever win that game in Minnesota, oh, God bless you guys, because it, it no way. really opened no up. Way. I know. I, listen, we don't have Ruben Foster the first it two weeks. It doesn't matter. They don't have a whole, they might not have a team. Like, they're, every day they're losing five guys in practice. Like, you guys. Yeah, you, I mean, like, there, there are players that they lost, I think, were, were I think, second stringers and third stringers. Luckily, I know, but, but Zimmer I mean, couldn't Ruben, even – he's like, I, I can't even give you an update right now because I don't even know. Like, yeah. like, we lost so many guys, I don't even have a list in front of me. It, I think it opens the, up the, the a little Niners bit after that, Oscar. Stretch, they, they could. I think they open the t- the first probably five games. They end up two and three, maybe even two and four because the game against the Vikings probably a loss. Steelers probably a loss. You're gonna, if you open up two and four, it's going to be a long year. Because, and I know you have some well, easy no, games because, late. No, then you open up two and four, but then you end up getting the Seahawks. I think we're both similar on the Seahawks, where I think they're they're kind of figuring themselves out again, and and they're right to get beat. Mm-hmm. Depending on who the Ravens play at quarterback, if they end up playing Joe Flacco at quarterback, yeah. I mean, come on. Um, so, and then you've got you know, it, it's just it's it's gonna be 
a, a well, different no, you don't have the Ravens on the schedule. You have the AFC West. I oh, no, 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 no. spoke earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but you do. So you have, the, you have the, the Chiefs. You have you have the early. Uh, you have the early AFC West swing where you go to Kansas City and then the the Chargers version of LA. I, there are a lot of Once winnable games the on the last... schedule, and then there's a lot of really hard games, like the two games against the Packers and the two games. But they're against all the at the end of the year. Yeah. When you get to the end of the year, that's when you get to like the Bears, the uh, the well, the Rams are probably lost, but you get to the Seahawks, the Broncos, the the Buccaneers, the Giants, the Raiders, the Cardinals, and three of their last five games are at home. So I think the story for the Niners next year is going to be an early slip where it's like, oh, my God, this team that everyone thought was going to be the darling of the NFL, like, oh, they're having a really, really rough start. And then once they hit the middle of the year and they get the bye week, then they're going to tear off a bunch of wins and they'll push for a playoff spot late. And everyone's going to see them as like, oh, they're the team we don't want to face in the playoffs. And then whether or not they make it, who knows? But I think that's going to be the, the story for the Niners in 2018. Yeah, well, how about this? December 30th, nine and six Niners against the 10-5 and five Rams. You got to go to L.A. Everyone knows. Hard to beat the Rams in, in front of that diehard, lifelong Los Angeles Rams fan crowd. But that could be that Sunday night game uh, for the division. Loser misses the playoffs because the NFC is so good. You'd sign yeah, for that right I think now, that, obviously. That sounds, that sounds exactly right. That sounds like a, a, a story that is likely. Listen, you, you'd sign for it right now. A game to make the playoffs in L.A. Oh, yeah. And, and especially because McVay and Shanahan, I mean, that's like – Two elite chess masters going head to head. That's I'm I'm here for that. Rivalry. I wouldn't want to be Arizona awesome. right now. No, I wouldn't want to be. I mean, and also Seattle. Like, listen, Carol's old. Russell's great, but they're going to have to rebuild that whole team. Like, there's not a lot other than the quarterback to build around. It's a good division. Listen, th- let, let's tie it back into what we started with. It's a really good division. I, there's a reason I ranked it first. Well, Josh Rosen might be amazing. Also, he could be incredible. We have no idea. Eh, I'm not worried about Josh. I know, but I'm just saying, like, imagine, you know, if we've got Goff, Jimmy G, Russell Wilson, and a good quarterback in Arizona, it could be an absurd division for a decade. I think if if Bruce Arians were still there, I would say Josh Rosen's the perfect fit, and that makes a ton of sense. But with without Bruce Arians there, I, I'm less worried about the Rosen experience. Okay. All right, thank you so much, Oscar. Everyone can find them on Twitter, at Better Rivals, the Better Rivals 49ers podcast. He's a good follow on Twitter podcast is good they're about to cover the uh the just mentioned arizona cardinals i know that'll bring all the listeners that'll probably be your number one episode of the year the the cardinals preview all those if trends if trends continue as they are um that will be false yeah the car the, the car listen there's 12 cardinals fans not like uh, you know maybe you'll get you should get will leach on you ever ask him to to come on the podcast to talk to the cardinals he's a big cardinals guy all right, I'll uh, we'll, we'll talk deets afterwards. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, Oscar, you're great as always. Thank you so much for your time and uh, and best of luck to the San Francisco 49ers this season. Thanks, man. Right, it's bye. easy to fall in love when you fall in love. You know you're you got easy eyes to hunt in the world above. Needs your blood in the cold veins of the richest man. He'll pay you way to steal a hand.
Question for you: What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five. But if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.